Your goal should be day to day to just get it, become a better bodybuilder. And when it's your time, it'll be your time. Uh, but your goal needs to be on the day to day, not this like overarching, like, oh my God, I want to be a pro. Like, yeah, dude, everyone does. What the fuck you mean? What is happening? Right, welcome back to your favorite podcast, the Grind Podcast. I'm host Justin Mahaley. And today we have a listener's QA, and Emily Smith is in the studio to provide some phenomenal insight here as well. I'm very excited to talk with you guys about this when there's some gold mines in there. So, without further ado, make sure to leave us a five star rating and review on your favorite streaming platform. Head over to the YouTube, hit subscribe. I'm much prettier to watch than I am to listen. So, make sure to go over and check it out because the mullet do be mullet. <laughs> have your notepads ready. I'll see you inside. Listeners Q and A, dude. These are one of my favorite um, like podcast episodes I do because it's like literally giving back to the people exactly what they want to know. And like, I abide by the theory of like, dude, no question is a bad question because like if one person has the question, like other people have the question. It's only a bad question. You know, you know what questions tick me off. You know how comprehensive my initial email starting protocols are? There's a lot in there. But I do say read three times. Read through this three times. It's like when you watch like a dense movie like Harry Potter. Every time you watch Harry Potter, you're like you kind of pick up on something new, right? So like every time you read through the protocols, you're going to like, oh, shit, like I missed that last time. And like, people read through it one time. And then they send me questions and like all the questions were answered in the protocol. And I'm like, dude, that's, that's the only bad question that exists is the one that was already answered right in front of you. But like, I love doing these Q and A's. I think they're fun. I think with the protocols, like people get so excited. They just like jump to the training and the nutrition and things like that. Steroids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How many steroids is coach blowing me up with? <laughs> and then they're disappointed. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, that's it. It's boring. <laughs> this guy sucks. Fire him. <laughs> yeah. So I'm definitely excited about this. We have 20 questions. So like, let's just hop in because that's going to be a pretty lengthy episode already. I feel like so. Whenever you're ready. Okay. The first one is going to be, can you be successful in this sport with high blood pressure or is it just reckless to pursue a career? Yeah, this is a really good question. It's a conversation I've had with a few of my younger guys recently who have higher blood pressure. And commonly we see that affiliated with like family history of having high blood pressure. I think there's a, a few schools of thought here. Um, I was listening to um, a Peter Ataya podcast yesterday, and he said that um, the accepted pre-hypertension range now is 120 over 80, whereas prior it was 130 over 85. And this is brand new. This is very new. So actually in a recent podcast, I would have misspoke on that because I said I would like like our blood pressure needs to be under 130 over 80. And that's what I've been shooting for because that was considered pre-hypertension. Now they've moved that metric back to um, 120 over 80. So that's where our goal is, is to keep the, the blood pressure under 120 over 80. There's a lot of things that we can do here. Um, quite frank, I love just using telmisartan. It's like super easy. I've never had a single person have any issues with it other than one of my guys who is an extreme hyper responder to everything. He, we took like 20 milligrams and his vision started getting fuzzy. 
Um, and that's the only time I've ever, and that's a real low dose. So it's the only time I've ever had issues with it. It's like he takes 10 milligrams a day. And, you know, since he's such a hyper responder, we see really good results from that. Even in, in his contest preparation, <sighs> the other side of this coin is like, in a perfect world, everyone's blood pressure in the sport would be perfect. But like, in bodybuilding, there's a lot of stressors that play into this lifestyle, right? Like, no matter how disciplined or regimented you are, there's a certain stressor of hitting the same diet every day. There's a certain pressure of, fuck, you know, I really need to go to bed or falling behind on recovery or having to get these life responsibilities done and fitting them in with bodybuilding. There's a certain pressure of the rigor of the schedule that we have. Um, even to be honest, I would say, especially if this is how you make your money, like, um, a popular criticism of mine has been like, well, why is he not a pro? Like, wow. <laughs> a six foot tall, super heavyweight body, but like, it's just so easy to turn <laughs> pro. Right. Like, wow. But like when you make your money in this sport and you're making your money off of clients winning or, you know, how clients show up. I mean, that is a drain has pressure filled, right? So you make your money in this sport or you make your money doing some high pressure job. You're that those are stressors. These are things that are going to raise our blood pressure. You have expectations on you. You lose sleep, you lose sleep quality. You get big in the off season, your sleep quality drops or you develop a sleep apnea or something like that. There's so many things that tie into blood pressure. And I feel like we just super lackadaisically like throw the word around. But like, there's a lot that goes into this, right? Obviously, when you bring androgens into play, like your blood pressure is going to rise. This is why I think growth, I mean, growth hormones is the best fucking thing you can put into anyone's protocol because like, dude, there's zero negatives to growth hormone until you're running a fuck ton of it. There's not a single negative that can happen. Like that allows our androgens to work better. It allows us to get away with less load of, um, of, of androgens. It allows us to be able to recover better. Our skin, hair, nails are healthier, which is a massive, um, um, like actual health indicator is how healthy your hair, skin and nails are. Um, so can you be successful with high blood pressure in the sport? Absolutely. You have to be really careful. You're definitely gonna have to work with someone who like really understands shit. But at the end of the day, there's an element of this that like, Hey, at some point you're going to have elevated blood pressure. Like you're pushing two grams of gear and you're training six days a week and your foods at six K calories. There's a very specific goal we're doing that for. And at that point you've accepted the risks. You've accepted that. You know what? probably not going to get to a hundred years old, right? Like that's the reality. It might sound morbid to some people. That's this reality. Um, but I think it depends on the, the nature of what we're doing. If we're running a low dose stuff, we're training four days a week. Um, you know, we're not eating, you know, these crazy amounts. You need to have your blood pressure under control. You really do. Um, so like, like anything else, there's a time to push and there's a time to pull it back. Let's make sure that we're constantly giving our heart what it needs. I love using project 80 heart plus make sure we're giving the kidney what it, what it needs. I love using astragalus. 
Um, make sure that we're not over constricting through stimulant use and abuse. Um, that we're not over vaso, uh, over enforcing vasoconstriction, which is obviously not going to help that situation either. Um, I think it's very heart healthy to use 20 milligrams of Cialis every day. It's also really fucking cheap. Like on aminoasylum.com, I think it's like $34.99. You can use code Mahaley there to get an additional like 20% off or something. Um, so it's something we need to take serious. It's something that we also need to better understand, like as a community, not as like, not from the professional side, from the actual athlete side, but you can definitely manage it. And yeah, you can definitely be good at it. I mean, every top Olympian has blood pressure issues. <laughs> like, there's not a single one that just has great blood pressure year round. Right. So yeah. Next question. Yep. Thoughts on calories varying on training versus rest days. Yeah. And a contest prep when someone gets real lean, I'm doing this with, um, I've, I've been doing this with Coop for the last like five weeks. I like calories higher on rest days because I'm trying to give the body what it needs. Calories higher on training days when you're peeled, it's just not going to do much for it. At that point, at, you're running off of adrenaline, you're running off of mental focus, you're running off of discipline. I like putting calories higher on the rest days there. I like being able to get a flush of inflammation. I like being able to feed that body up, give that body nutrients that we can actually carry over into the training session. Like, dude, when you're peeled and that metabolism's cranking, you raise your fucking calories on leg days like whippy. I find sometimes when you raise it on high day, like you have your high days on training mm -hmm. days in a prep, those high days you feel more hungry, more tired. Hundred percent, you don't you do. feel better. Your metabolic output's ramped up anyways, and you have a higher. In my experience, you have a higher chance to go hypoglycemic, and I bet a lot of coaches listening to this are shaking their head yes, and people are like, what? What do you mean? How? Dude, you're running through shit. Yeah. And now you're giving it more, and now you're overshooting it. Like, I honestly, when you're deep in a prep, I like pushing those calories on rest days. It's something I started doing around the middle of last year with, with my bigger individuals. And it works really nicely, works super well, better sleep, better recovery, better mental cognition, better posing, um, and then better effort into the gym. And yeah, I mean, on the gym, like, I think my setups right now are really good. I'm crushing pre-carb, I'm crushing intra-carb, and like, um, you know, outside of that, like, those two windows are the most important by far. And, you know, a lot of people are really caught up on the post-training window. I think there is an importance there, but it's far below the importance of pre and, and, and intra. Um, so if you're in an off-season, like, you're, like, pushing off-season phase, like, yeah, you know, if you're not super metabolically gifted or resilient, let's have some lower cows on rest days. Um, I personally like a big discrepancy. If your cows are 4,100 on training days for a guy or whoever, 4,100 on training days, I mean, can we, can we just hit like 2,400 on, on rest days? Like why, why keep the tank full on rest days? You know, we can really create our own insulin sensitivity. We can really create our own uh, mental cognition and we can really kind of create our own body composition changes just by having these big ebbs and flows. Like on your rest day, you know, you're going to hit your steps. You're going to have low food. Like you're going to, with that low food, you're going to be low insulin. When you're low insulin, you're more apt to oxidize. So like we can really control recomp through um, managing calories that way in an off season phase. But if you're someone who, um, off the top of my head, I'm thinking of like um, Sam Miller. Um, I have her. 
like we just switched her diet up a little bit this week, but she was just eating kind of, she was eating like high food every day, um, moder- decently high food every day. Um, and be- because if I had her with where we were currently at before this week, if I had her on like, well, you know, these training days are high days and these rest days are low days that she would just drop. She would just be dropping her. I'm thinking of Beth Hall who recently started with me. Um, like she's using all this food. She's an extreme ectomorph and we're pushing this leg day food up pretty high because she's going to have, you know, three, four leg days a week. And we're pushing that up pretty high. And then on her rest days, because of how high this food is going to need to go, given her body type, given her history of dieting, I pull these rest days down, but it's not it, it with her. It doesn't have much to do with the, um, actual physique, it's more about the digestion component because if I can keep her digestion real healthy, I mean, she's someone who she's going to have to get up there like where you're at. Like she's going to be able to get up to like 500 carbs on leg days and shit. And like to some people have seen that, it's like, oh my God, that's so, no, that sucks. Like that's what it's going to take, you know, because she's a burner. Um, and some people are just burners. Um, and, and before we get into an actual prep, I want to be able to like have a cap on that. I want to be able to like limit that and be, I, right now her body's in control. And so I'm trying to switch it to me being in control. And then we start a prep and I'm in control of it. Like that's what we're doing with you. We've seen your body be in control, all these preps and it's constantly We're constantly chasing it. Well, now we've switched it up. Like now we're in control and like, so now the next prep we're going to be a step ahead. Your body's going to have to chase us, right? So, like, that's where I'm trying to get those people. But, like, commonly women who are super ectomorphic and men, I'm thinking, like, Jeff Short. I'm like, Jeff Short, like, dude, he's over, like, a 1,000 carbs on on his training days. It's just an exorbitant amount. Like, that's a lot of juice that you're drinking, right? Um, but, you know, on his rest days, I, 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 I definitely pull it back. Like, I want to respect his digestion. I want to make sure that things stay moving in the right direction. I mean, he's a 6'4", extreme ectomorph that we've put 60 pounds of muscle on, you know? And um, so, yeah, to answer the question, it's, just, it's very person-dependent. If you're an ectomorph, you probably, you're just going to need to eat more, and we just need to understand digestion. We need to make sure we're in control. For any other body type... Yeah, you probably want to switch it up. Like, I agree. Most of my yeah. athletes, they're on a carb cycle, yeah. but like obviously me, for example, I have high, high days yeah. every single day. Yeah, every day. Um, and my client, Eleanie, she's just like me. It takes yeah. a lot for her to grow, and so she has high days every day too. So now you're seeing like how frustrating it is, not frustrating from a mental standpoint of like, oh my God, like how it's frustrating because like you just want to help this athlete, but their body fucking needs a lot. Like, they just burn. And, but you know, if you push food hard enough and you drive that thing hard enough, like we can control that metabolism better and kind of regain control over it. But like, it takes a lot of food. That's for sure. So yeah, good question there. Next question. Should you measure your workout by how fatigued or, or sore you are the day after? Good question here. So for enhanced individuals, Especially like if growth hormones in the mix, if androgens are in the mix, man, honestly, you're going to be able to beat yourself up. You're going to be able to like really, you're going to be able to train a lot and train really hard. I mean, shit, Thomas and I are training like six days a week right now. Same here. Like you're training six days a week. Three three of those days. Yeah. Like that's insane. 
But your your natty, yours is coming just off a of fucking diet, like how much food you're taking in, which makes you kind of super physiological in your operation. Um, I believe that a good training session is just simply I, I don't measure off soreness. Like, yeah, dude, like I, I, I you need to feel some stiffness like the next day. But like we trained legs yesterday and we trained some arms yesterday. Like I wouldn't say I'm sore today, but I'm stiff. Um I think there's, I think we're missing the mark in terms of like, we want to be sore after a training session. Um, and you know, it depends on your experience level, but I think our goal should be like assimilation rather than annihilation. So we can constantly stay ahead of recovery because it's not just from a musculoskeletal standpoint. It's like from a neural standpoint as well. Like neurally training is really taxing and really hard. If we assimilate and we don't just go in and completely blast ourselves into the abyss in the gym from you know volume or whatever, um, then neurologically we're gonna stay more intact and we're gonna be able to recover from you know our, our nervous system component, which is in turn going to feed into us being able to recover better from a musculoskeletal component, right? Um Whereas if we just blast our neural system into the abyss, like you're going to get overtrained. You're going to have to take time off. You're going to have to pull things back, X, Y, Z. Um, so I think a good training session should simply be based off of, did I push my pain threshold further than the last time out? If the answer is yes, whatever you feel from that, you feel. However your body responds, it responds. But if you push your pain harder than last time, then you you – progressively overload a period like you push your body to a place that it had never been in that muscle group that's what i base a good training session off of same here yeah also with soreness i think like when people are sore they just like sit around and so that soreness builds good point. up like sometimes yeah when i wake up my legs hurt hurt but i go and i walk and i do cardio and i'm fine yeah yeah, you just get the blood moving. Mm. Um, you're, that's a really good point. When you're really sore, you definitely see people's neat drop off. Um, just like we move less and we're lazier, and like your 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 motivation drops off a little bit. Um, and like I don't care who the fuck you are, like motivation's a component. Like people can be like all tough and shit. Like oh, I'm not motivated every day. Like that's fine. Like I'm not either. But like motivation is a nice component to have on your side. But if you're too sore, you're not gonna have it. Next question. Does client exercise preference play into training program creation for you or is it irrelevant? Yeah, well, this is a really good question because, I mean, I let you have control on your training, right? Like, we have, you know, three years of trust. Um, like, I know how you operate. You you know what I want. And you know how I operate. I know how you operate. Um, like, Danielle has control over her training. Um like Bobby, I would give him control. Coop has full control on his training. Um, you know, I, I, I think there's a lot of athletes that I have, and like everyone who I'm listening has been with me for over two, like a very long time. Um, what's important is do you understand what I want, and then are you able to understand exercise versus movement? Exercises don't fucking matter. Movement matters. And this is what I posted about on Instagram yesterday, which by the time this podcast comes out, it'll be about two or three weeks ago. I posted the side chest and the side tricep shot. And I posted on there like, why are we changing up movements? I didn't say exercises. I said movements. Why are we switching knee flexion movements for movements that aren't biasing knee flexion? 
So like, what's the difference between a quad focus leg press and a hack squat? There's not. I mean, there's there's really not much. Our goal is ultimate knee flexion. So like if one of my athletes goes into a training session and like something's taken or they don't have a piece of equipment or whatever, I tell you guys swap it out with something of the like intent. So what are we look, looking to do here? If we have a lat focused row, that means any lat focused row is really going to be good there. But the ones that I protocol for my athletes are commonly the ones that are very like the easiest to execute. A lat focus or on a fixed machine is much more difficult to execute than a bilateral dumbbell bent over row or a single arm cable row, just simply due to the, the movement pattern. Like it takes you a long time to understand how to set up machines properly, right? It's much easier to understand, you know, a bilateral dumbbell bent over row or like a cable row. So like new athletes, until you show me that you know what, what you're doing, there's not going to be a lot of say. Once we have that built up rapport, once you've won some fucking shows, if I'm being a hundred, yeah, like once you've won some shows, you can have some say and like we can chat about it. But like, yeah, if, if you haven't done anything, then I don't think you know what you're doing with your training. So I have a question for you. Yeah. I see some coaches say like, it doesn't matter what you're feeling. Like, do you think it matters Stupid like as fuck. what you feel? Yeah. Show me someone who says that, that cause there's, there's two people that came to mind that say <laughs> I that know for and, sure and you they have shit physiques. About. Well, they have terrible physiques and like, I'd like, dude, I'm not saying I'm some God. Right. But like, I mean, fuck, like what I've been able to build is, you know, decent. It's pretty fun. Good. And I'm like, when people say shit like that, like, what the fuck do you mean? There has to be some mind muscle connection going on dude like you have to connect with the fucking muscle how else are you going to push pain thresholds how else are you going to like overload like you have to feel the muscle working now this doesn't mean you have to be super slow or over exaggerated or whatever but like if you're saying that the connection or the sensation doesn't matter what you're basing that in is because there's no science and this has been studied there's no science that suggests that it has been, that it plays a role. Go to those studies, scroll to the control group and read about who was studied, who was part of that research. And then come and chat with me about what the fuck those people know about training. Cause it's going to be beginner men People with who no are, muscle. Yeah, <laughs> w- who are in their late 20s and early 30s, who probably have lower testosterone, who don't know their way around the gym, who aren't, they wouldn't fucking know what their lat was if it was being fucking poked by a bear. Like, sensation matters. And the people who say it doesn't are all really fucking under-muscled. So, I agree. If you If you can't feel it, you're just moving the weight with no no intent behind it. Again, it's exercise versus movement exercising is is just going through the motion movement is forcing muscles to, to work for you based on to to achieve some goal right what do you want to be most proud about when you were on your deathbed definitely the way that i i treated everyone that i got an opportunity to treat the right way 
like it's no secret over the last 10 years. Like, yeah, there's been some falling outs, Like, there's been some people who were not affiliated anymore. We were real tight at one point. And, you know, I was having a conversation with one of my athletes yesterday about a relationship. And I told him, you know, one of our biggest downfalls that we have is you go into a relationship and once it stops working, we view that as some bad thing. But like the reality is like not every relationship is going to work. People come into our lives in a temporary manner, much more than in a permanent manner to influence us, for us to influence them, to have a dual impact on one another. And once that impact is gone, it's time to move on. And maybe that's a romantic relationship. Maybe that's a professional relationship. Maybe that's a personal, just social friendly relationship that you have, right? What I know and what makes me sleep really easy at night is every single person that has worked with me has been treated very well. And you might have pissed me off. You might have gone behind my back. You might have fucking double crossed me. I still treated you well. And I still gave you opportunity. And at the end of the day, like, it's funny. Um, once I soften up to someone, like, as you've seen this side of me, the empathy is insane. Mm -hmm. But if you haven't got that side of me, you're not getting any empathy. Because, like, I save that for people who have maybe proven themselves or earned it. Like, yeah. you, you get calloused after coaching for 10 years. Like, you get calloused. Yeah. And, um, like, your heart, like, your soul, like, you're, you're emotional. You have to. Because, um, like, there's a lot of heartbreak that happens in this. Um, I treated everyone great. I treated everyone fucking great. And, like, they can tell themselves whatever story as to why things didn't work out. But, like, I got receipts that show they were treated great. And I got memories that show they were treated great. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, like, I'm going to keep doing that. And I'm just going to keep getting better. And, like, one day I'll die. And, like, when I leave the world, like, people are going to say real good fucking things about me. The people who know me are going to say really good things about me. Like, I'm proud of yeah. that. Impact is definitely a big one, but to be different. Yeah. Um, mine would be like, I want people to remember how fucking hard I went for everything. Yeah. And I was, I was just thinking about this in the gym the other day. Like, I don't want any of my, like, I don't care about the wins. Like, I care about how fucking hard I went for the yep. wins. Like, I want to suffer and sacrifice for every win that I have. I don't want it to be handed to me. And that's what I want people to remember me by and hopefully take that along with them. Every single person on this planet respects someone that just goes all in. Mm -hmm. They might not agree with it. They might not see it. They might not understand it. But at worst, they fear it. Oh, and fear sure. is respect. I've definitely lost a lot of people from like how all in I yep. am. But like. They weren't part of the journey. Yeah. yeah. Like they weren't supposed to be part of this journey. Because the people that you've attracted are all also all in. Yeah. And Everyone I want in my life is in my life right now. Yeah. So And everyone's all in. Yeah. That's powerful. What's your personal superpower or trait that separates you in your own opinion? Dude, it would probably go back to the empathy side. Like, again, when people crack that code, man, like, I... I, 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 there's a running joke in one of my friend groups that I'm a cheat code. <laughs> and the other day I shared on my story, yeah, I saw that. like, like 
dude, like you get tight with me and like life just gets better. And like, that's cool. I can confirm that. Yeah. <laughs> but like not everyone gets that opportunity. Yeah. And you're also going to be pushed. And like, there's a lot of people that like, they get to a certain point of push where they're like, I can't do this anymore. And that's okay. But I'm intense. And like, I want people around me who are intense, but like, I would, I, I would say it's a pretty positive one. It's like, dude, yeah. when, when I get empathetic towards someone, like my, my group is very, 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 very tiny. And like each of you guys have that extreme empathy from me. Like you guys all know that like when Justin says like whatever you need, like that's like whatever, like it's whatever. And like, that's, that's a cool, th you know, that that's cool. Cause there's a lot of people that say like, Oh, you know, like whatever you need, or it's like fake carrots, whatever. But like, nah, dude, like one of my, uh, I'm right. I'm so right or die for my people. But I will say, as soon as the die happens, it's dead. Homie. <laughs> <laughs> like you're out, you're out. Yeah. It, that, that, that's just how I operate. It's like all in or all out, you know? Yeah. So I think that would probably be my superpower. Mine, I think mine would be my ability to bounce back. I think I thrive yeah, when my resilience. back is up against the wall. Yeah. Like, that's you've put yourself in a lot of those situations. Yeah. And, and you've bounced back super well. Yeah. Just because I don't like, I don't like for there to be options. I want there to be one option and like, I either have to figure it out or like I quote unquote die. Like, yep. Yep. You got to go balls to the wall or fuck. Yeah. Like, what do I do? Yeah. But it doesn't matter. There's not a plan B. It's like, you know, a lot of people, you know, I think we just posted a reel about, you know, like people identifying like with their anxiety and yep. stuff, but so many people like channel that anxiety in a bad way and they let it cripple them. Yep. And like, I'm a person who I let that anxiety like push me further. Same, same. But yeah, when I'm like overworked and over anxious, I'm, yeah. ooh, like that's a monster. I always know something good is about to happen when yeah. I feel that way. Uh, what's the shit gets harder when you level up, when you yeah. level up. Yeah. I feel like I just went through that phase, you know, like the last three weeks I've been in a, I've been in a mental rut pretty yeah. hard. Um, but like coming like Wednesday of this week, I was like, you know what? Like, no, nah, I'm that mother. I'm that motherfucker. <laughs> like I'm him. Yeah. <laughs> like I feel, I feel like fucking, I feel like JM's back. You know? <laughs> <laughs> what, what have, has been your biggest setback so far and what did they teach you? Oh shit. I don't remember choosing this one. My biggest setback so far. Yeah. This one's hard. <sighs> to be honest. I'm not great at hiring people. <laughs> 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 that set me back a lot of money, a like, lot of that. money. And, and yeah, I hire people to like provide this opportunity because like, I see this person who needs their life changed and like, I can change it. But then like I hire them and they don't go as hard for me as I'll go for them. And so like, then you got to fire them. <laughs> <laughs> I was just having this conversation with Ross last week. I was like, I'm done hiring people. Like, yeah, like some of them have worked out. Like everyone who's here right now has worked out really well. But like, I can't hire people based off of like my loyalty to them. You have to hire people based off of how hard they're actually going to go for you. Um, so I can't, you know, like I can, I've been leading horses to water for 10 years and some of them won't drink. And I'm just like, all you got to do is open your mouth. All you have to do <laughs> is open your fucking mouth. They have they have tape over their mouth. I, I don't get it, dude. <laughs> and like I use the shark analogy. It's like 
there's sharks, there's seals, and there's chum. And at the end of the day, the fishermen drop all their chum back into the ocean. The seals go in and they fucking eat it all up because the seals aren't these vicious predators. Like they're waiting for the handout, which is the chum. But what happens when you're waiting for handouts and then you swim back into the ocean? The motherfucking sharks are there and these are predators and they are preying on your weakness, which is you don't, you can't fucking fight back. And they, rip these things apart and that's their fucking supper. And like the seals didn't have any fucking hope. Right. So like, what are you? Are you the chum that's getting dropped into the ocean? Are you the seals that needs a handout? Are you the motherfucking shark that's going to go kill and attack? Cause you just wake up and the only way for you to continue living is by killing and attacking. And like, it doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't make sense to me how we're in this day and age. And like, you're not a fucking attacking dude like the the term fitness coach everyone's a fucking fitness coach and and like that's okay like i welcome the competition but like dude there's some fitness coaches who i'm going to be quite frank with you have zero literacy of the human body zero making 20 30 40 50k a month zero yeah that pisses me off yeah so bad your knowledge doesn't matter anymore though I mean, I watch this fucking content some of these people post, and I think it's absolutely cringe, and they get clients from it, dude, like, because they're attacking. Like, they're just fucking attacking, and they're attacking, and they're attacking. And, like, I I just, I, I, I feel like, I feel like you can become a shark, like I had to become a shark. But, like, at the end of the day, like, are you aggressive? Are you competitive? Like, are you about that life, or are you not? And, like, yeah, that's held me back. Like I've definitely hired some people. I've given opportunities to people who definitely didn't deserve the opportunities and who didn't seize it and take it and run with it. Um, but you know, we live and we learn. I'm done hiring people. <laughs> it's Ross's job now. <laughs> <laughs> um, the first one that comes to mind for me, I guess, is just like how long it took me to choose myself yep. for so long. Like I was doing things for other people and you know, before I moved to Austin, like the situation I was in, like I knew for months that that like wasn't where I was supposed to be, but I just kept all burn Alabama. <laughs> I mean, that wasn't the answer. <laughs> <laughs> Who would have thought? Roll tigers. <laughs> <laughs> but I just, I never made the choice to what well, took me so long to make the choice to do what I wanted to do and not what other people wanted me to do. Like I would have been the first one in my family to graduate college. Well, yeah. I really disappointed yeah. them there, but yeah. you know, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. So sometimes I wonder like how, how much further I could be if I would have chose myself sooner. Yep. But like you said, you live and you learn, Absolutely. And, you know, who knows where I would be if I would have made that choice sooner. I may not have been here. So. Yeah. Yeah. I remember when you called me, you were like, they moved to Austin. I was like, dude, let's go. Literally the Monday really after I left Pittsburgh, yep. I like, I told you how much money I had, everything. And I was like, can I actually make this work? Like, actually. Like, dude, if you want to, you can. Yeah. Like, if the ambition is there, then you can make it work. Yeah, for sure. There was definitely months where I was like, I don't I don't know if I can pay my rent yeah. this month. But, dude, yeah. like, something always happens. Like, it always got figured out. Yeah. So, like, if you want it, like, you'll figure it out. Yep. That's one of those situations, like, my back was against the wall. Yeah. And you figure it out. Like, you yeah. rose from the ashes. Yeah, I think that's sick. What's the one character trait you've developed that has skyrocketed your growth? discipline like actual discipline Mm. when i say something i mean it and it gets done and um like like it's completely changed my life 
Uh, my morning routine is very structured. Um, when I'm like walking around downtown, the intent of which I'm going about things is very structured. Choosing podcasts over music, even like when you want to listen to music, um, like simply choosing to like be on time for things has been a big one for me. Like I'm someone who like my time management was always super poor. Like um, I forget what it's called. It's like time block or something like that. Um, that like people who struggle with ADHD and like, I also stopped identifying with any of that shit. Like I understand I haven't like, that's cool and fine and well, but like, I'm not identifying as that. Yeah. Like I'm in fucking control. Like I think I, for me personally, I'm not talking about other people. I'm talking about for Justin Mahaley, Justin Mahaley feels super weak putting labels on himself. It's like, I talked about in the Stacy podcast. Like I hurt my adductor, but I'm not injured. I'm fucking, I'm, I didn't miss a single training session. Like it hurt to train through it. It hurt to train chest and back <laughs> and biceps. But like, I, I I don't identify as injured. I don't identify as this like ADHD situation. I don't identify as like any of these things um, that I think are used for as crutches or, you know, whatever. Um, so choosing the discipline um, and, you know, if we're going to bring ADHD into this, the best thing you can do for it is have this unbelievably structured routine unbelievable structure to where it is pristine. You know, um, I was always not very clean as well. I mean, you come to my apartment pretty common. <laughs> a bitch is spotless. Yeah. Always. Yeah. It's a choice that you make. You know, it's from uh, a little bit off topic. You know, it's from the, the, the dopamine response. People who have ADHD um, have lower dopamine thresholds. So they need more to be able to like get reward from sense. it. Right. That's why the mundane tasks, like being on time, staying clean, being organized. Those mundane tasks are very, very difficult to do. texting someone first, getting started with work. They're very difficult to do because those drop our dopamine. They don't raise our dopamine, but we can rewire our dopamine triggers and our targets. And Huberman has an amazing podcast on this. This is way out of my pay grade, way over my intelligence level. I have listened to that podcast multiple times and I have done everything that he said. Like, dude, when that alarm goes off, 6 a.m., I get off to that, dude. I get this brain orgasm. I'm like, yes. Dude, my pet peeve is when people set multiple alarms for and they what? like they don't get up for what get the fuck Sit up one alarm and get and up get when the it fuck goes off up. i turn all the lights on i raise up my fucking curtains i get in the shower i do the hot the, the cold exposure the really cold exposure too um you know I, I i start my day with achieving multiple tasks i hit my injections i brush my teeth i make my bed and then anything that the night before like if i got a little high or something whatever and like i, I made a little mess or something <laughs> it all gets cleaned up right away and i start my day with winning 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 well now what the fuck are you going to do you're probably not going to resort to losing after that so like, the discipline for me like actual real discipline and now it's like i mean it transpired into everything that i'm doing and it transpired into bodybuilding like i have five quote unquote clean meals a day and then i have one you know calorie dense meal really calorie dense meal and like, hey, dude, there's days you don't want to have the five. But it's like, no, that's what I do. 
This, this is what I do. I have this structure. Or you don't want to make the protein shake and drink it because you're tired of, you know, tasting it. Like, that's what I, this is what I do. Or you don't want to hit the water. Dude, I have an incredible water system now to make sure I hit my water every day. Um, and it's like, you, you, th- I identified my weaknesses, which some of my weaknesses were self-enforced, but like some of them were just simply identifying as something that I choose not to identify with. And I created a plan and then I just stuck to the fucking plan. And like, I know some people it's easier than others, but like discipline was not easy for me. Like discipline and bodybuilding took me a long time to learn, let alone discipline in my actual fucking life. But my final note on that is just like, I feel like the greatest way you can respect yourself is if your space is just clean. Like if your space is just simply clean. And I know a lot of people listen to this, like everyone has their own ways of living and stuff like that. If your space is just tidied up, tidied for, for you, is it tidy enough for you? Like, is it actually like, if we're being real with ourselves, I think that's one of the best things you can do to really jumpstart your next level of discipline is just like, keep your things tidy. Like, when you come over to my house, it's tight. <laughs> like it's, it's tidy and it's always going to be that way. Cause if I revert back, then I'm going to start being you know dirty and late again. <laughs> I, I feel like that. I've always been like super disciplined and like, yeah. I've always been super clean. Cause like messes that gives me anxiety, yes. but I will say I'm very bad about the time thing because in Are the you? mornings, like that's when I get most of my work done. Yep. And like, I'm like, Okay, I still have time to do one more yep. thing before I leave for the gym. And then it's like 20 minutes past yep. when I'm supposed to leave. And I'm like, oh, well, Because I think that's the time block thing. I'm, uh, it, that, that's not the right terminology for it. But like, that's where like, we perceive time. Like this task will take me one minute. No, it actually takes eight minutes. Yeah. And so you put like three tasks on yourself and you're like, oh, it's like five minutes. And like, what, it was a it's half hour? Hours later. Yeah, like, <laughs> what the fuck? So like- I've, I've realized this exact same thing. And so I stop, I said, so I have five minute timers on my phone all day. Have I ever told you about that? I don't think so. All day I have five minute timers because I allow myself the grace of like, you know what? I might get stuck in one of those loops, um, text message, Instagram, email, scroll, whatever. I used to punish myself for those loops and like that taught me nothing. So now I have a repeating five minute timer on my phone from the time I get up in the morning. Um, and then I go on my walk with paint and I turn it off. And then I sit at the, at the coffee shop with my headphones in and there's nothing on the headphones. It's just waiting for the next timer to go off. And every five minutes I just, I restructure myself and I reset and I re get back to wherever I need to go. Um, and for me, that's worked tremendously and staying on schedule with the discipline. But then, you know, the timer goes off, it's 9am and it's like, okay, something is going to happen. That's going to take more time than anticipated. So I'm not going to get to the gym until 950 anyways, even though it's only a 15 minute drive to the gym, I'm not going to get there until 950 anyways, just because things happen. Yeah. Or maybe I want to stop and get a coffee or maybe whatever it is. Maybe I want to fucking sit on the floor and pet Peyton for a second. But like now I started giving myself and man, it's made life a lot better. It really has made us something you could try. Yeah. Those five minute timers helped me a fuck ton. Yeah. Yeah. My one trait would be, um, like I'm very more outgoing than I used to be. I was very shy for like a really long time. I just like lived in my bubble. Like I was socially awkward. Yep. Um, but now I'm very outgoing. Like the other day I talked to seven new people in the past. 
I would have never, never like you. Never done that. But everyone who knows you like really likes you. <laughs> you know? So it's like allowing people to get through those layers with you. It gives you so much more opportunities to like if you just stay in your bubble, you're gonna stay stuck in your life. Like yep. Cause you have no connections. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I have noticed that out of you, Thomas as well. You guys have both been doing a much better job yeah, of that. You sure guys are both very well. introverted, but you guys have both been doing a good job. Tell us something new you've learned in the last three days. Oh man, this is a good one. Let's see. Let's, let's, uh, let's get something interesting on here. Well, I taught you guys about the Peter Ataya thing. Um, the, the, the blood pressure one. Um, oh, I learned about neuron operations and we can create new neurons up until we die. Even if you have terminal illness and your body has accepted death, you can still learn new skills and that will prevent your telomeres on the end of your DNA to continue shortening. As your telomeres shorten, you're getting older, you're aging. Uh, the longer your telomeres are, which is on the end of every DNA strand, the younger you are. And there's a lot of really compelling stuff coming out right now. But there is, so there's a few things that play into telomere length. One is learning new skills. One is your sex hormones. One, uh, one is your stress. And you don't want to be, that's not low stress. It's also not high stress. You want to be stressed just right. People who are too low of stress actually age faster than people who are too high of stress because they have no intuition of ambition. Intuition of ambition is something that's housed in our prefrontal cortex. And this is something that essentially just tells you this is how important you are. When you're low stress, well, you're, you're not important if you're fucking low stress. You don't have nothing to stress about. <laughs> then you're not an important person that we're tribal by nature, but we all want to be influential by nature. We all want to be able to have influence over people. This is, this is human traits. So like you can sit there and listen to this and be like, no, not me. Like, yeah, you do. This is a human trait that's in your DNA encoded from millions of years. Like you deciding to fucking dye your hair green and I don't want to have any influence on anybody <laughs> like that does not mean that you don't want your DNA wants that. Maybe you lie to yourself, but like your DNA wants that. If you're low stress, that just means you're not very needed. If you're too high stress, people pick up on that. Your pheromones release that your actions throughout the day, release that your emotional intelligence is probably going to be rather low. If you're really high stress, that's not a good place to be either. You want to be stressed just right. And this plays into telomere length because it doesn't allow our telomeres to shorten as fast as high stress or low stress does. Um, so intuition of ambition is basically just this is how important you are. And like, what's your drive to succeed in life? Because people are relying on you. Um, all that to be said, there's a, I believe it's a peptide. I believe it's an amino acid sequence. Um, it might not be. It might be an actual RX. Um, that it's $5,000 per injection. I'm sorry, it's $5,000 and it's only one injection. And it'll ride you out forever. That will inhibit telomere shortening. So it directly prevents aging. 
Um, it'll inhibit it from happening. However fast it is right now, it's going to greatly slow that. When we slow telomere shortening, we are able to inhibit to a certain extent myostatin. And myostatin obviously dictates how fast you grow muscle tissue and to what, how much muscle tissue you can grow. It's like your, your genetic potential is based off of myostatin. This drug slows down how fast you're aging. At the same time, it decreases your myostatin levels as well. It's $5,000 for one injection. It hasn't been used in humans yet, but it's going to be ready by Q3 or Q4 this year. And I'm absolutely getting it. <laughs> yeah, 100%. I already have an in um, to, to, to be able to get it. Because um, for things like that, like, I'm down. I'm down to fucking try. Yeah. Like, I'm down to fucking give it a go. Um, so, like, I think that's absolutely fascinating that now we're starting to get into, like, telomere conditioning and understanding what actually causes aging and what actually inhibits aging. Um, so yeah, it's absolutely fascinating. Mine, I think this is within the past three days and yeah. I actually learned it from you. Yeah. And I like, I think about this every time I do something now about the neurons that fire together, stick together thing. So like, this may be a silly example, but so for example, Bulgarians, I told you like, I always get less reps on my left leg yep. and I always start with my right leg. Well now like... I feel like I can't start with my left leg because yep. I always start with my right leg. Yep. Yep. But I'm like that, like, it doesn't matter. Like, yeah. it's just in my head that it I is. have to start with this right leg. Yeah. It's just a comfort thing. Yeah. Yeah. Neurons and fire together stick together. So if you have habits you don't like, guess what? You can change them, but you're going to have to split those neurons apart. So what happens is we start thinking or doing or acting in a certain way that our body picks up on and those neurons just start firing. So that's your comfort zone. Whereas if you break that, then this neuron is like firing and this one's like trying to fire, but like it's not working. The signal's not being picked up on. So now the other, you know, other neuron networks, wherever that might be, have to fire with this guy. And we're like building a new bridge here to be able to relearn or rewire whatever it is we're trying to do. I also am like, like a routine, like I have to have a routine yeah. and like, that's why it's so hard for me to break it. Cause I'm like, no, this is my yep. routine. This yep. is how I do it. Yeah. So yeah. I think that's good. It's just training. It's training your neuron system is remarkably important for just overall being a fucking human. It is insane. Like how much you can change, uh -huh. like just by the your way. Your brain is so think. malleable. Yeah. We're not even scratching the surface still. Yeah. I really believe that. After I, I mean, I mean, Huberman and Peter Atiyah talked about that. I was too. about to say, after listening to Huberman, like, yeah, yeah I've listened to like almost all of his podcasts. Yeah. So like the past few days, I've kind of just been like re-listening to yep. old ones because like, fuck, I don't remember everything from all of those. Like, they're so, they're, they're deep. Yeah. There's a lot of depth. Um, why spring water during peak week? Is that just to also control that variable as well? Yeah, spring water is going to have minerals um, naturally occurring in it that's going to help keep our electrolyte balance. In peak week, there's a lot of ebbs and flows of electrolytes. Lots. So the spring water is just, it's a steady variable. And if you're flying, like, you know, next week I'm flying from Austin to Pittsburgh, the water's different. The water's different in Austin and Pittsburgh. There's different minerals. It. There's different, you know, whatever. 
Well, spring water, same fucking thing. So now we're traveling with that. We're keeping those electrolytes more balanced rather than adding something else in that causes electrolyte disruption. And yeah, when you're not like peeled for a show, then it doesn't matter much. But like when you're, when you're peeled for a show and you're ready for a show, it absolutely matters. So it's just a mineral balance situation. That's all. Should natural athletes be consistently training with as much intensity as enhanced? So with training recovery, what we want to focus on is we want to get into an auto-regulated state. So like my, my, my athletes, I don't like giving you an actual split unless you're like really new to things. I like giving you a document that has your training sessions in it. And then we train the training sessions as we're able to, whether it's three times a week, we're able to get in, whether it's fucking where we might be able to go eight out of 10 days, whatever you are feeling recovered from when you wake up in the morning, what muscle are we, are we due for today? How's it feel neurologically? How do we feel? If we're able to give 100% to a training effort, let's go fucking train and attack it. If we can't give 100% training effort to the muscle group that we're supposed to train that day, but there's another one that we could, let's go in and attack it. If we can't give 100% effort because neurologically or from a musculoskeletal component, we're under-recovered, then let's rest. Because in bodybuilding, what is the purpose? If we're not giving 100%, like... I, I, I don't believe deloads exist here. Like deloads are much more suitable for powerlifting, for strongman, for, for um, like athletic training, but not for body, for bodybuilding. We want to overload stimulus every training session that we get. And so if we're going in and we're not able to do that, isn't that literally the definition of junk volume? So what are we able to recover from? If you're a natural athlete and you're going to train with extreme intensity, although I will say, I don't see anyone natural training to the level of enhanced individuals. And that might rub some people the wrong way, but I mean, I got 150 athletes that I'm constantly assessing. Some of them are natural. Yes. But like enhanced people are training harder. They also have an edge. Like there's just an edge. Um, and this is, you know, across the board. So yeah, there's going to be one offs and stuff, but like enhanced people are training harder than natural individuals, period. And you're, you know, you're not going to have that same mental edge to be able to apply it to your training to be able to get into the gym and just fucking rip things through whatever your natural capability is or your natural pain threshold is like it's, it's from an intensity standpoint, train as hard as you can possibly recover from and train as often as you can possibly recover from. Um, but I don't, I don't think we need to like, if we're viewing this in a natural versus an enhanced situation, like it's, yeah, natural people just overall just like aren't training super hard. Now, when you're like a female like yourself, like you've run cycles before and you've learned these thresholds, you've elevated these thresholds to like, like once you've done one cycle, you're not natty anymore. Like you can have bouts of being natty, but like you learn things. Your program from a neurological and a musculoskeletal perspective to be able to drive harder. So you're able to apply that even without the PEDs into play. And again, some people not, might not agree with this. If you cut this up and you post this on Instagram, people are going to be fucking pissed about it. But like, that's the goddamn truth. And like, if I click on their profile, like, ev like everyone I do, everyone who comments something negative on that God page, I click on their profile. I'm like, yeah, figures. <laughs> if, if this is so out of your realm that it just couldn't possibly make sense to you, like they're going to be little tiny natty boys, like taking sets to, you know, six RIR with bad form. And like, they're going to be mad that, 
I, I said people on steroids train harder, but they do. Um, they do because there's a neural drive component <laughs> that is just when your fucking testosterone is 2000 and you're training next to someone who's 400. <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's just a neurological component that's different. Um, so train as hard as you can, as often as you can recover. So I have a question for you and this is for natural cause obviously enhanced people are going to be more advanced. I like, I feel like sometimes naturals, like obviously when they're not as advanced, they confuse like soreness and fatigue with lack of motivation. So yeah. like, how would you like go yeah. about that for their rest days? You know, I, I, I think, like I said earlier, I think there's a strong, I think motivation is a strong component. I really do. Um, I think en enhanced individuals have a shortcut because you have the constant placebo. Well, I injected this morning, so like I can kill it, you know, for a natural individual. Like, you know what happens when our motivation is really low? We lose focus as well. And when we lose focus, we lose quality of our work. And when you lose quality of your work, that's when you start putting yourself into a position of you're not assessing the, the, the biofeedback, the things you're feeling in real time, you're not assessing those accurately. Your work is going to be more lackadaisical, so it could lead to injury and things like that. Um, like, if we're not feeling on, let's rest. And that doesn't mean, like, not every day is going to be perfect. Like, there's going to be some days that you're weaker than others and things like that. There's nothing to do with that. Mental, mentally, can we go in and lock the fuck in or no? If we can lock in, let's kill. If not, then like, I'm just not sure training is the best thing we can do on that day. Because if you don't train on that day and then you miss the gym, now you're going to have greater neural drive when you set back into the gym because you missed it yesterday. Like, like, like you, you emotionally missed being there, right? You know, physically missed the feel of it. So if we can leverage that, then we're likely going to be training harder on that one day after we take that additional rest day, then we would have been able to like, then we would have been able to combine on like back to back days, if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, like with the mental and during training, I don't know if like you completely agree with this, but like yeah. say I have one or two movements left and like, I can feel like I'm mentally like not there. I'm not locked in. Yeah. I won't do those last two movements yeah. because like, I'm literally just like wasting energy. There's no intent yeah. behind. Or if you start yawning, if you yawn during training session, you're done. You're done. Yawning is a neurological signal. That's not just like a casual thing. Like you yawn during a training session when you're in that sympathetically driven of a state and your body is yawning, you're done. Go home. Yeah. Pack it up. Go home. You know, not unless you're like two weeks out. <laughs> you're two <laughs> weeks out from a show. Like you need to fucking buckle down and get it done. But like if there's not, if, if you know it's not money time, if it's not crunch time, then like go home. Something you wish more people knew about you in relation to your why. Yeah, man, my, yeah, there's definitely been bouts in my life that were really fucking challenging. And so I kind of operate out of this place of scarcity. Like, fuck tomorrow. I could wake up right back in that spot. Same here. And like, yeah, I mean, I, I've definitely, I've been in some real rough situations. Like everyone has different valuations of what rough is. My rock bottom is higher than some people's rock bottom and it's lower than some other people's rock bottom. But like for myself and my life experiences, um, I mean, yeah, I definitely think about the times I was sad or the times that, 
you know, I wasn't really sure how tomorrow was going to be found or, you know, you think about, um, you know, just how bad my, my family life was and things like that. And I like, do that drives the shit out of me. It's like, you know, now I feel like I have this big chosen family down here. And it's like, well, I don't want to let you guys down. And so, like, I just drive so hard, like a neurotic freak for that. And I just go really, really, really fucking hard. But, like, that really fuels my why. And I'm just crazy competitive. And it's likely because of that. Um, it doesn't really have much to do with a financial situation. It kind of has everything to do with just how the fuck is life going. And, like, man, life is going. <laughs> like, life is good man like my, my life is really good and to be honest with you like i didn't have this like cheat code to the top like i never had some superstar athlete come hire me and get me clients because i had them um i never had i've never asked my clients for referrals i've never asked them to like post things i've never i i, I didn't have some wacky crazy physique that attracted a bunch of followers like I've had to build this shit really honest and really raw and with unbelievable integrity for 10 years. And, you know, it's, it's, um, I, I've taken a very challenging approach, like a very challenging road. Uh, but like I have a certain standard of moral obligations that I have to my athletes that like, I mean, yeah, dude, I've got some big fucking names that talk to me, but like they expect free shit or they expect sponsorship and they expect like, I'm not the fucker. Like you're lucky to have me. Absolutely not. And you know, I've never, I don't, I don't like pay for athletes and things. Like, that's really popular now. Like you pay for, you pay for, you pay this athlete. Like, uh, I mean, I can say it. <laughs> There's some athletes getting paid 20 K a month to train with certain coaches. Um, I've been involved in some preps with some uh, coach friends of mine who were actually coaching someone, but they were saying they were coached by someone else because the financial component was there or a sponsorship component was there. It's just messy. And I don't want anything to do with that. It's like, I've taken the hard way to the top and like I take a lot of pride in that. That's why I mean so much more though. So much. Yeah. I don't fuck it. Like I, Thomas was talking about this the other day. He's like, who the fuck has ever done more with less than you? And I was like, no one. Like, I've never had some freak hire me. Like, people look at, like, Ashley Jones, but what about her? Like, dude, she got last place in the last two shows before she hired me. Last. Dead last. And she hired me, and all we did was win. Like, she didn't count. <laughs> look at her starting pictures, and then look where I took. Yeah. Like, doesn't count. No way. Like, I, I'm, I'm, you know... I don't mind it. I, I love what I got. I love who I'm working with. Yeah. And like, I've been able to qualify for the Olympia people that have no business being there. So like, and now we're, we're going to do more. <laughs> like now we're going to keep going. Yeah. So that, that competitiveness really drives me. Like I've done it the right way, in my opinion. Mine's very similar to yours. And like I talked about on a previous podcast, like I operate out of the fear of like going back to yep. what I had before. Yep. Like, that's what drives me every day. Like, yep. and I don't want to lose what I have here. Yeah. Because, like, like you said, any day, like, all of this could be gone. It can all be gone. And, like, I don't know, I operate out of this place of, like, fear of, like, maybe today's the last day. You know? And if today's the last day, like, you know, whatever, it's been a hell of a fucking ride. But, like, I want to make sure that my heart was laid on the line every single day. Like, that I poured everything I could into, you know, into my work. Um and like, I know my athletes feel that, <laughs> you know?
So. GH and insulin protocols for first timers. Yes, yeah, so GH is really straightforward. Like, let's start with what we can afford to run. Um, you know, for females, the highest I've ever run a female out is five IUs. And yeah, there's some phenomenal results there. But like, the reality is, like, until you're in really high dosages of GH, there's not going to be a lot of side effects. Like, there's your side effects are going to be like numb hands and numb feet, things like that, like numb extremities. Um, but like, the reality of the situation is with GH, the more is better. So like you're a guy. I mean, I've run up to 10 IUs a day personally myself before. Very recently I did that. Um, and I didn't feel anything negative. I just like slept super fucking deep. Um, crazy pumps in the gym. The really strong recovery. And they definitely had some numbness and whatnot. Uh, but I made a ridiculous amount of progress on that. Um, um, for insulin... I want to know postprandial blood glucose readings. I talked about this in uh, a, a very recent podcast. I want to know blood glucose, um, um, postprandial blood glucose readings. And if, you know, we're over that 100 mark, then I'm going to bring in a dosage of insulin and we're going to start really low. And we're going to bring in a dosage of insulin with the meals that need to come down. And then we're just going to run it for a few days. We'll take the postprandial blood glucose readings again. I'm talking like two or three IUs. Like nothing bad's going to happen at that low. And we're just going to see how, and we're going to can we're going to tinker with this and configure until we absolutely nail to where in that postprandial reading you're like an 80, 85. Um, and when we get there, we're going to continue to assess and make sure that we're not dropping really too far below that. And we're also going to continue to assess, like make sure that that's where we're staying and we don't like need to run into a little bit more. But very commonly when I start using insulin and then I find the sweet spot, I will pull it out if food has stayed the same and now the blood glucose is creeping up. To me, that's signaling some insulin resistance occurring. And so I'm going to pull it out. I'm going to fix whatever's going on and then we can tinker around with a little bit more from there. So, A current strength you've nurtured that would make past insecure you the most proud. Oh man, definitely emotional intelligence and my ability to respond to situations. I used to respond real poorly to situations. Now I'm just in control, dude. It takes a lot of work. I was a super insecure, jealous individual, like even just like three, four years ago. Um, and like now, you know, in like my romantic endeavors, it feels real nice to be able to tell people like, hey, dude, look, like there's nothing to do to make me jealous because I understand that people aren't doing anything to actually like hurt you. We are all selfish in nature and all humans are doing what they just simply believe is the best at the time. It's not necessarily to hurt anybody else. And also, if you expect a human to constantly think about you, even a romantic relationship, this might be, not be popular to everybody, but this is the reality of our fucking situation. You can accept it or you can deny it. If you're expecting a human to think about you first before they act or react to anything, you're out of your fucking mind. You just don't understand human psychology. Humans are all very, very selfish. And you can raise and lower that selfishness based off of your connection or interaction with somebody. But like the reality is at the end of the day, gun to someone's head, they're picking their own life over anyone else's life. And that's okay. That's acceptable. Like that's allowed. And if you have a different, um, if you have a different viewpoint on how people should act, then like, again, I, I just think you're missing the mark. So once I came around to realize like people aren't doing anything to hurt me, people are doing nothing to like, in spite of me, people are just doing what's simply best for them. I was kind of able to let go of everything else. 
And like, I, I feel like that's powerful. Like, I just fuck, I just focus on being really fucking good to people and taking care of what's, you know, who's around me and what's around me. Mine would be the confidence in who I am. Mm-hmm. I think for so long, like, I was very insecure in, like, myself. Mm-hmm. Like, I tried to be someone else because I thought that's, like, who I wanted to love me. I thought that's how they wanted me to act. Yeah. But, like, that's when I was the, like, least happy. And the now that I'm finally, yeah. like, myself and who I actually am, like, mm-hmm. now I'm the most happy. What do you think contributed to you being able to find that the most, if there was one specific thing? Um, I think... The people here, um, I've talked to Thomas, you know, about like before when I was living in Auburn, like I never felt like I could be like who I wanted to be. And, you know, like, yeah, when I first moved here, like I still was like burying who I actually was on the inside. But then when I realized like, okay, well, this isn't working. Yeah. And that's when I think it really turned around for me. That's dope. I like that. That makes me happy to hear. What is the best coaching advice you've received till this day? You can't fix someone who's stressed. I knew you were going to say that. (laughs) I've tried. I've tried hundreds of times. It doesn't work. If someone's overstressed, there's no protocol for it. There's nothing you can do. And what you are going to do is drive your well-being into the ground because you're trying to fix someone who can't even fix themselves. I'm working with someone like that right now. And it's really frustrating. It's really fucking frustrating. You have to get out of your own fucking way. And if they choose not to, then you cannot try to make them move because a lot of people love identifying as their stressors and they love being their stressors. Um, you can't, you can't, you can't change people, right? People are who and what they are in this current situation based off whatever life experiences or morals or values they abide by. That's just who they are. And I have tried fixing so many, one of the most stressful situations I've had. I had a client who meant a lot to me and she had a bad case of, of, um, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. And, you know, we're going through the protocol and we're eight weeks in and there's no progress and we're 12 weeks in, which is when the protocol is supposed to stop and there's no progress. And I'm like, dude, you haven't controlled your stress at all. So like, like, there's nothing I can do here to help you. Every check-in, she's stressed and stressed and stressed and how it should work. So I have two athletes going through a Saiva protocol right now. They both started last week, actually. Um, on the same day, they got their GI mask back. So fuck, I was there. Like, <laughs> I had to build out two Saiva protocols in a day. And That's like, oh, rough. My. Yeah, I mean, each one takes a good bit of time. Um, so regardless, you know, this week they both checked in looking way better already. And like you can just see it everywhere. That's how it should work. If, and neither of them are high stress individuals, they both have their stress under great control. Like, you know, they're, they're emotionally uh, advanced in my opinion, uh, compared to their peers. And you know, that like, that's just, that's just simply how it should work. That's how we should operate. As soon as the change happens, if this goes for any health situation, as soon as the health protocol is implemented, changes should be happening basically right away. If they're not, it's stress. And I've wasted so much fucking time and energy trying to fix people that are too stressed. Mine would be, and this relates to competing, but it can relate to anything. Um, But I think it's being told it's going to happen and related, obviously, to turning pro. Yeah. Um, Because for so long, like, I was just rushing it. Like, I wanted it so bad, and I would get so upset. Like, 
I did everything I could. Like, yeah. why, why is it not happening for me? Like, yep. I'm working harder than all these people. Yep. But like, like it's gonna happen. Yep. So yep. it's taught me to like just slow down and truly like enjoy like every single day of you know like whether you're prepping or you're in off season like both of those phases aren't going to last forever so just enjoy it and in bodybuilding you cannot work everybody but someone can maybe they've been doing it longer than you maybe they're just genetically more gifted than you and they'll show up and they'll win but the reality is if you keep working that fucking hard over an extended period of time eventually you're the one who you've been doing it the long, you know, longer and you're the one who showed up as the veteran and like, you're the one who, you know, is taking that W now, even over more genetically gifted individuals. Cause you've put the fucking time in. And I think that's the beauty of bodybuilding. I've I mean, seen a so lot of people rise too. to the top and fizz out a lot of, people. Oh yeah, for sure. I've seen far more people take the approach you're taking and become successful at the next level. Cause it's not easy. So you're doing it cause you love it. Um, I think that's powerful. Well, also, like we've talked about, like, once you turn pro, you're back at the bottom. Yeah. And so, like, yeah. enjoy being at the top of the yeah. NPC while yeah. you're there. Enjoy being, like, a guaranteed first call out on a national stage and battling for it. Like, dude, that's fun. Yeah, it's fun. Because it's going to take a long time before you get to do that at the pro level, right? So, it's like, when, when people are in this chase, like, have a pro card, I'm like, for what? Like, you're not close to competing as a yeah. pro. So like, what are you going to take two years off? And a lot of people just like want to turn pro and do nothing after. So yeah. like, why are you in such a rush? Yeah. Like if you don't plan on doing anything like after you turn pro. Your goal should be day to day, just get it, become a better bodybuilder. And when it's your time, it'll be your time. Uh, but your goal needs to be on the day to day, not this like overarching, like, oh my God, I want to be a pro. Like, yeah, dude, everyone does. What the fuck you mean? It, it's never going to happen if you I, have that mindset. I agree. I really agree. Or it's going to happen. You're going to do nothing with it. It's an intra drink with just EAAs enough to avoid the anabolic window and wait till PNS kicks in. I think an intra workout drink with EAAs is a phenomenal route to take. If we don't need intra carbohydrates due to whatever reason, um, I think EAAs and some salt and some creatine is a really, really good intra workout. And like the reality is when you are training, I mean, EAs are completely broken down. Like there's not, your body doesn't have to like process these things very heavily or anything. Right. So like they can be taken in and assimilated through your digestive tract while you are working out. Well, we're probably going to be jump starting, you know, the recovery process there. Do I think it's minuscule? Absolutely. I do. But like, Hey, you know, EAs, they're not super cheap. You know, you got an extra 60 bucks a month you want to throw at it for a little bit more results. And I think it's very beneficial. Like, I, I like it. So I would say, yes, that's very good. To be honest, the approach that <laughs> a very similar result would just be like what I do after every training session. I just grab a couple of protein shakes. I slam 80 grams of, you know, whey when I'm done training. And I, it's about the same effect. Um, cheaper. So. Would you say it's more important for people who are training like super early in the morning? Yeah. If we're training super early in the morning, we definitely need to have an intro drink, assuming there's no meal before that. Then like what we'll want to have is our first intake of the day will be that intro. Um, but like, you know, if we're training maybe like 8 a.m., but we were, we're able to have a meal like 7 a.m., um, you know, then at that point, like we're probably, depending on your training um, adequacy, um, like if, if you're someone who isn't in a place where you need intra-training, intra-workout nutrition because your train just isn't there yet, um, then you're you're fine riding in with that pre-trained meal. 
Okay, I think we have one more. Um, I locked the phone, but I'll remember it. So um, <laughs> what are three tips you would give to a coach trying to build their clientele? Number one, know who you are and operate within that skill set. I think there's a lot of people trying to operate outside of a certain skill set or trying to fit into a certain thing that they wish that they would be or something like that. Like, who are you right now in your current skill set? Number two, who do you align with the best? Talk to those people. Um, curate your content towards those individuals. Um, and, and try to attract those people. If you have a certain signaling that isn't aligned with you and you start attracting clients that aren't aligned with you, it's not going to work out. Like they're going to come in and they're going to go because they're going to find someone that they're really aligned with and that they feel like they signal with the best. Um, Number three, like pour into your fucking people, dude. The client that you are responding to right now or the client that is in front of you right now, that's the most important client that you have. No one's more important than them. I don't care if you have someone who's one day out from a show. If you have a client you are talking to and responding to right now, like they deserve your best. And, and you know, obviously the client one day out from your show is going to get a ton of attention, Right. But who is right in front of you in this exact moment, that is who needs your best and who gets it. And when you service people that way, there's, I guess there's just a funny energy that goes around that you're, you know, you're going to attract more and more. They're going to be happier with you. They're going to be more prone to post about you or whatever. Um, so like service the heck out of your people. And those might not be sexy answers, but if you really dive into those three and you really go all in and you give them your best, you'll see exactly why I think it's so beneficial. So 20 questions nailed. Fuck yeah, that was a really good one. I appreciate everyone who submitted questions. I hope you guys absolutely love this. I hope you learned something from it and took something from it. Please give us a thumbs up on YouTube. Hit that subscribe button and share us with your friends on Instagram. Make sure to tag Emily and I in it. We absolutely love chatting with you. Till next time. Peace.